Welcome to season two, episode four of Grace or Grit. This is a podcast intended to address difficult, controversial, and or debatable issues related to the Bible and the church. And there are plenty of them. I'm your host, Dave Talley. I serve as the pastor here at Grace Baptist Church in Herlock, Maryland. If you're actually from Herlock, I'm mispronouncing it. It's Herlock, Maryland. Along with me today is my co-host, Patrick Reed. He is a pre-filled missionary with ABWE. He's on deputation. Actually, he's finished with deputation. He's trying to get to the Gambia in Africa, and uh, he's finally reached the point where he's got his finances uh, raised, and uh, so he's ready to take off just about as soon as he can get the house sold and all of his other ducks in a row. Uh, He also has served and is serving currently on the pastoral staff with me here in Herlock, at least until next Saturday. How are you, Patrick? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. So last week on the podcast, I fired Patrick. Uh, I was just joking, of course, uh, you know, trying to motivate him to get out of here and go go win the will of people to Christ. And then Sunday, he turned around and resigned on me for real. So uh, got to be careful what you wish for, I guess. Uh, but I couldn't be happier. His last day, as I said, is February the 13th. And uh, then he'll be focusing on um, making his plans and moving to Africa. What are your expectations concerning this transition, Patrick? What specific things can the listeners be praying for you, uh, praying for for you and for your family? Well, there's still some uncertainty on uh, the protocols for COVID in the Gambia and, uh, you know, kind of what's involved with uh, being able to get into the country and quarantine issues and such. So certainly be praying for that. Um, And, uh, you know, all the logistical stuff that goes along with moving to another country, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Amen. Pray that they'll all get the gift of tongues and get off the plane speaking Wolof. That'd be awesome. That'd be helpful. <laughs> or whatever God's will is concerning that. Uh, all right. Well, uh, as I said, I'm super happy for you. We're going to miss you uh, like uh, our, our right arm, but um, we're happy to have you fulfilling God's call and purpose on your life. All right. Well, today we're honored to have with us as a guest on our program, Pastor Tom Morrill. He's the lead pastor of Calvary Independent Baptist Church in Lebanon, New Hampshire. Tom, welcome to Grace or Grit. How are you this evening? I'm doing terrific as well, and the honor is mine. Uh, I appreciate the invite to come, and God's richly blessed us uh, over this past year uh, with uh, COVID and everything. I know some people Mm. have kind of had to reevaluate certain parts of their their life and even some ministry. But we already homeschooled. Uh, church is essential. My bivocational job, carpentry, was essential. So life didn't change for us. It just got busier. And God is tremendously blessed. Uh, more immediately, uh, I'm humbled and appreciative of your invite. I'd actually forgotten about your podcast, so you reached out and uh, invited me to join it. And I love the testimonies, especially your last two uh, episodes. Listen to those. I enjoy uh, hearing the testimonies of others, how God's worked and brought them different places. And I appreciate your approach to the topics thus far. So glad to be here. Amen. Well, we're glad to have you. Maybe you can wait till after the uh, podcast has ended to determine whether it's an honor to be here or not. We'll see. Fair enough. Uh, But anyway, I'm happy to have you here. 
Um, Tom and I do go back a few years. His wife, Jennifer, was one of my students when I taught in the junior high and high school at Bethel Baptist School in Hartsell, Alabama. In fact, I think I had her from sixth grade all the way to 12th grade, if I remember right. And uh, she was also in my youth group. I was youth pastor there in the same ministry for a while. So I know his, his wife and his in-laws quite well. And uh, I was even a part of performing Tom's wedding. So I'm thrilled right. to get a chance to catch up a little bit with you today. How many years have you been at Calvary now? Uh, I've been at Calvary for, well, the answer is a little bit complicated, but before I get to give you that answer, uh, I do want to say that uh, I appreciate uh, all that you did uh, for my wife as she was uh, growing up in the ministry. She speaks highly to you and your family. And uh, I like to tell people that uh, us Yankees are still pillaging the South uh, <laughs> in, uh, in more ways than one sometimes. Uh, but to directly answer your question, uh, the the complicated answer is that I was an assistant pastor uh, in the ministries from 2008 to 2015. And when I say ministries is there was a unique situation in which there was two churches that were pastored by one pastor. And they had kind of started that way from the seventies. That pastor passed away in 2006 and another pastor who was raised in that ministry went a little ways away, started another church. He got called in as the interim and then the head pastor. So there's three churches that I joined in 2008 as the assistant pastor of, and we did kind of a circuit riding uh, swapping role. And uh, the journey to becoming the independent head pastor of this church in Lebanon uh, is a long, complicated one that, you know, we can reserve for another podcast or another time, but uh, it was definitely, a, it was a church that was, getting the short end of the stick with the ministries, three, three churches, uh, two pastors, very difficult to, to pastor that effectively. But uh, the Lord led me there in 2000. Well, the Lord uh, sh showed me and the head pastor uh, that I should be, that the Lord's plan was for me to become a pastor there in the church in Lebanon. And uh, that was in 2012, but it's about a three-year journey for the transition to take place smoothly. And uh, 2015, I became the head pastor. So I've been there for, this will be the fifth year uh, coming up in, actually the sixth year coming up in this uh, September. That story sounds so familiar in my head. I am pretty sure I met this guy that was pastoring the three churches. I think he preached an ordination here in this church. I'm pretty sure uh, Pastor Krupa was ordinate, ordained here. Yes. Does that sound like a yes. right? Okay. Uh, yes. Uh Pastor Krupa's wife is the daughter of the founding pastor. Wow, so, that yes. is so cool. Yes, that that is it. And I guess I guess Pastor that's right. Pastor Coolis did come down. And yeah, Pastor Coolis. Yes, yes, that's his name. So yes, indeed. Well, small world uh, there. I forgot about that. Yeah. It's a very small world when you're an independent Baptist. Very, very, very small. It can be. <laughs> but, they talk about the uh, what are the six uh, levels of separation or whatever in independent Baptist circles. It's more like two, two levels. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. connected to somebody. Yeah, then we get mad at each other. It causes problems. That's right. Uh, that's right. Okay. Well, uh, that's awesome. Uh, for the sake of our listeners who may not know you, uh, why don't you go, go ahead and take a few minutes and tell us more about yourself. Tell us how you came to know the Lord as your Savior and how you got into ministry originally. 
Um, you've kind of told us a little bit what you're doing now, right. but just give us your testimony, whatever you feel led to, to tell us about. Yeah, sure. Uh, I was saved when I was a young child. I don't remember exactly the age uh, that I was, uh, but uh, it was a, a time in my life where, uh, you know, it's it was early enough that I don't remember all the details. Uh, there might have been some uh, just uh, innocent, zealous pressure, uh, you know, that kind of pushed me to uh, make that decision. But uh, I do believe that I was saved uh, as a child. And as a child, I always uh, wanted to be different from other children. Instead of saying, I want to be a policeman or a fireman, I want to do this or that. Uh, I always said, I want to be a missionary. Uh, so just tell people about you know, Christ and go on foreign fields. Uh, but in my eighth grade year, I uh, read the story of, or read an excerpt of the story through Gates of Splendor it, with, by Elizabeth Elliott. And their heart, their devotion uh, challenged me. And that is really what started the, the push and the drawing into the full-time ministry as, as God gives ability. Uh, so that was in my eighth grade year. And then I went off to Pensacola Christian College, uh, met my wife there, graduated uh, with an evangelism and missions uh, focus, and uh, then got called back up here into New Hampshire uh, in 2008. And uh, the Lord led in that decision as well. And now I pastor, and, uh, also a carpenter. So the uh, Lord's been good. He's led us uh, thus far, and I'm looking forward to the future uh, serving the Lord. Amen. Jesus and Tom, carpenters. Yeah, I get that a lot. It actually is yeah. a, a great opportunity to open doors of conversation. So No doubt. That is so cool. That is so cool. Well, thank you, sir. Um, so today's episode is about the dangers of extremes, which is actually a topic in and of itself that I would love to explore. Never mind the uh, specifics that we're going to deal with today, but the dangers of extremes. We plan to talk about the issue or issues. I don't know how you want to say that of license versus legalism. Um, so I'll probably entitle the podcast legalism or license. And uh, Tom actually preached a message about this back in January, January 24th, I believe it was, in his pulpit uh, there in New Hampshire. And I watched the video of that message on Facebook. I, I thought you did a masterful job, to God be the glory. Um, tell us what caused you to pick up uh, this important and difficult topic and to speak to your church about it. What Was it a personal experience? Was it a book you read? Right. Uh, something you saw coming down the pike? What was it that, that drove you to address this? Right. Well, uh, yeah, I'm right in the middle of a series uh, that I'm bringing to the, before my church. I've entitled it, What's Missing? And kind of the subtitle is Your Pastor, His Heart, and Your Church. Because uh, frankly, I'm a different pastor today than I was in 2015 when I became the pastor of the church. Uh, there's only a few people that are still in the church because it was a very small church. Uh, there was 12 people that voted me in as the pastor. Four of those were pastoral staff, myself and my wife and the other pastor and his wife. So it was a uh, smaller work, but, uh, and some have moved, uh, some have uh, chosen to go elsewhere, but, uh, I am a different pastor than I was uh, in the past, and I just want to bring my church to a point and say, hey, this is, this is the journey God's brought me on, and this is where I'm at. Uh, this is where I think we need to be, and then uh, you know, kind of see 
what the church is and where their where their feedback is and if they're willing to continue to go or kick me to the curb and find somebody else. <laughs> right. So uh, tell the listeners what your text was that Sunday and what the overall point you were trying to make was with that particular message. Right. Well, in uh, Romans chapter 14, we have the situation that's set up, as I like to refer to it, the, the contention between diet and days. Uh, and there's some that are observing a certain diet of the Old Testament, some that are observing certain days of the Old Testament. And the Lord is addressing uh, to the Christians here uh, through the Apostle Paul is, is just saying, why, why are we trying to determine who's right, who's wrong? Why aren't we letting God be the judge? And let's just, let's just uh, serve the Lord. And uh, we're not living to ourselves. We're not dying to ourselves. Uh, we need to serve the Lord uh, in these things. So there's in that message, uh, I use the illustration of a seesaw uh, where you, you get license on one side, you get legalism on another side. And it tends to be that we go to those, those different extremes but the point of the message was, how do we find that fulcrum? How do we find that balance point where we're not tipping too far to legalism? We're not tipping too far to license, but we're right in the middle, uh, living in grace, living as, as God desires us to and serving the Lord uh, in that capacity as well. So that was uh, the, the point of the message. And uh, that was Romans chapter 14, the first half of it. Uh, basically, there's many other passages that could be looked at, but that was uh, a clear illustration of different brothers in Christ that have different sides of the same type of issue. All right. Well, let's get real specific here. And uh, I, I'm a definition guy. I'm not saying I'm good at it, but I like it. Uh, so let's have some definitions. First, the word legalism. Uh, it's defined secularly as, uh, quote, excessive adherence to law or formula. Um, I had a guy in my church one time years ago say, I'm just an old legalist. Well, he, he meant that a certain way. And, and I took it positively. Uh, he was actually a retired state trooper. Uh, he's very patriotic. He was not speaking so much on spiritual and moral issues. He was more speaking on uh, ethics and law and, and culture and those kind of things. Um, and in that sense, I was like, Hey, amen. You know, way to go, dude. Uh, so um, maybe excessive is not the right word, but he was saying, look, I believe in adhering to the law and knowing what the expectations are, knowing what the formula is and holding people to it. That's who I am. And uh, he's an extremely gracious man and a, a wonderful Christian man. Uh, theologically, supposedly by the source that I looked at, it's defined as dependence on moral law rather than on personal religious faith. Uh, so those are very generic definitions, but it, at least if you're a listener, you kind of have the idea of, uh, of the, the most basic cultural understanding of what legalism is. Um, I have a definition that Patrick sent me. Patrick, do you want to give it or you want me to go ahead with it? Uh, go ahead. Okay. I love to talk. Um, <laughs> so he said that he likes this definition of legalism. He got it from John Piper. Um, so there's two of them here. One, treating biblical standards of conduct as regulations to be kept by our own power in order to earn God's favor. That's certainly a powerful uh, and useful definition. And then the second one, uh, even more practical in the 
life of the church. The definition reads like this, the erecting of specific requirements of conduct beyond the teaching of scripture and making adherence to them, those requirements, the means by which a person is qualified for full participation in the local family of God, the church. And uh, this is where unbiblical exclusivism arises and we separate and then sub-separate and second degree and third degree separate. And uh, I remember when I was in college, there was a history professor that uh, at Pensacola who, uh, who commented on the, the first Baptist pastor in America and how much of a separated believer he was. And uh, it was said of him that uh, he figured the only true church was he, his wife, and his kids, and he wasn't sure about them. <laughs> so I thought that was a pretty good way to describe uh-huh. uh, kind of what the Baptists have uh, run into over the years uh, here in our country. So do you guys agree with these definitions? Are there any clarification, clarifications or context or explanations that you would want to offer to the word legalism before we move on? Right. Well, I think the definition that Patrick brought through John Piper is uh, very detailed uh, and it's very, very thorough. Uh, however, I think it can sometimes, when we get too, too defined in our language, we tend to lose the people in the pews. Uh, and that's, that's just how, how things can happen. Uh, historically, the definition was applied to adding things in order to uh, affirm or to gain salvation. Uh, so this works-based type idea uh, so those that would say that they're not legalists like to go to the historical definition and say, no, that's not me. Uh, however, language changes, definitions change, uh, and the more colloquial definition is really the idea of defining righteousness through a list of standards. Uh, and then, therefore, the need to adhere to that list of X, Y, or Z in order to gain acceptance, and then, therefore, subsequently, the blessing from God. Uh, so it, act, it improperly conflates blessing with an identity in Christ, uh, whereas the Lord says he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Uh, so if, if I do X, Y, and Z, does that mean God's going to send more rain to me? Uh, and we begin to think that standards is going to lead to blessed and a happy life, uh, whereas God's wisdom in Scripture definitely does lead us away from excess uh, the Bible speaks of, you know, certain things and in, in wine being in excess, where in it's excess. Uh, the scriptures can lead us away from excess, but they don't necessarily directly equate to blessing in our life. And that's where legalism steps in and says, hey, if you do all these things, then your marriage is going to be happy. Uh, I, I have some people in my church that said, I didn't think that a divorce would ever happen to me because I was doing X, Y, and Z. I was living life the way I was supposed to. So these things shouldn't have come. Uh, unfortunately, they were focused on the system and not the Savior. So it really is, uh, it can be a form of uh, health and wealth gospel. You just got to earn it, right? It, it can lead to that through zeal. Yeah, yeah I think it can. So Galatians 3, uh, is that the passage? It talks about how uh, the the believers were, you know, originally made perfect by the Spirit. They were they originally uh, brought into the family of God by the work of the Spirit. And Paul mm-hmm. said, are you so foolish? Now you think you can be made perfect by the flesh. Uh, right. That kind of addresses this issue. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Yeah. And, but uh, it's not our flesh that, that justifies so, us. So there's a lot, as you said, there's a lot of places in the New Testament that, that deals with this, even some in the Old Testament that deals with this. And uh, so there are people who use the law 
the law of God and the law of Moses or their own law, uh, they use some kind of law keeping code and that, but they use it inappropriately. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's, there's a lot of forms of legalism, but that's the, the general idea. So good. Right, Anything definitely. to add to that, Patrick? No, that's good. Yeah. We're, for the listeners, we're recording at nine forty one. So Patrick's already asleep. <laughs> he's putting on a good face though you sure this isn't a pre-recorded screen you look kind of perky <laughs> you know when you get over to the gambia and, and we're four hours different you know if if i do this at nine o'clock at night it's gonna be you know like midnight where you are or one in the morning or something <laughs> So yeah, this will probably be one of your last ones at nine o'clock at night. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have to do nine in the morning or something. That's right. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, let's move on to the word license. Uh, again, colloquially, we could say that uh, license is, quote, the formal or official permission to do something. That seems uh, harmless. In the case of spiritual and moral life, we speak of license as uh, the feeling that I have the right and freedom to do whatever I want to do because I'm saved anyway, you know, without retribution uh, or without negative consequences. Um, Because I'm saved, I can just go sin. And I've certainly heard some people who believe you can lose your salvation declare that if they believed in eternal security, then, you know, they would also believe in license. Uh, I don't believe it's an, I don't believe it's the natural or supernatural takeaway from eternal security. I think uh, knowing the goodness of God drives me away from sin, not towards sin, but right. uh, his, his promises have the opposite effect. But I certainly have heard that description of license from people. If I believe what you believe, I just go do whatever I wanted to do. Um, again, the dictionary says that we're talking about having a, a, quote, a reason or excuse to do something wrong, wrong or excessive. That's the concept of moral or spiritual license. Uh, having a reason or excuse to do something wrong or excessive. In the Bible, it's called licentiousness. I can't really even say that word. Or lasciviousness or wantonness. Those are not words we use in our culture at all. Excess, I think, is something you mentioned a while ago, Tom. That certainly seems to fit as a synonym. So is this accurate for our conversation? Is this a good definition of license? Could you simplify it for me or add something to it? Either one of you? I think we got a... uh... License tends to neglect a search for righteousness uh, as clearly defined in scripture. Uh, The Lord calls us to conform to him, uh, Romans chapter eight, verse 29. And license is, is a, an abuse of the liberty in Christ to give me an excuse to not desire the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ uh, in my life uh, where in essence, I take on an, an air that there's no way that I can grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's no way that I can. And, and when it comes to salvation, they're right. They're right. There's no way that I can overcome the grace of God in my life as far as his adoption. However, that doesn't give me a permission to then go and, and, and have a moral freedom to do anything that I want, because then who becomes the God of my life? It's me. It's my desires. It's my flesh. It's it's not God. Uh, so light legalism points us to a God of rules. License points us to a God of self. Hmm. Wow. 
So it's really an abuse, a misunderstanding, abuse, misappropriation of grace. Uh, in that case, it would be a way to describe it. Um, and it's, you know, it, again, it doesn't make sense, really, because we're saved from sin, not saved to sin, uh, right. which I'm sure a legalist would say, amen, brother, preach it. <laughs> right. But it's still true. It's still true. Patrick, yeah. you want to add something to that? No, I think that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good definition. Um, I do want to get us started on this discussion, okay. though have um have something i want to read here sure. from um where's this from it's from the independentbaptist.com right so this interesting article this guy wrote and i'm just going to read you one part of it it's actually titled uh how to tell if you're being a legalist and the title is is um really not the direction he went with the article so <laughs> i'll just read this section and then you guys can i just want your thoughts on this this might get us started he tells us here what legalism is not. He says, legalism is not a godly mother who insists that her daughter dress modestly. Legalism is not parents enrolling their children in a Christian school that believe as they uh, do about separation from the world. Legalism is not a dedicated, aged, godly dad who takes his son to the barber shop instead of a beauty shop every two weeks. Legalism is not a faithful youth director who insists his teenagers dress appropriately. Legalism is not a hardworking pastor who insists that his Sunday school teachers not smoke, not drink alcohol, not tobacco, no tobacco use, no movies. Uh, they visit absentees and go soul winning. Legalism is not the careful godly educator who forbids his students to dance or listen to bad music. Legalism is not the man of God who cries aloud against mixed swimming, in essence, mixed nudity, against vampire lipstick promoting drugs and young males with their Billy Idol bleached porcupine spiked chili bowl hairdo. <laughs> hey, I wanted frosted tips as a teenager, but I didn't have the, uh, uh, I didn't go forward with that. So. <laughs> So is that is that it? Are you th throwing gasoline on the fire here, or, or you got some more to read? I think that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's what legalism, according to this article here on the independentbaptist.com, um, that that's their definition, I guess, uh, yeah. of not being a legalist. Well, so what's he say? What's he say is? He says legalism is a Seventh Day Adventist, a Church of Christ person, a Catholic. Uh, an Armenian, uh, a Mormon, so the, he's going to the historical or Jehovah Witness. Yeah, yeah, he's going to the historical yeah. definition of well, legalism adding to salvation. Yeah, right. and so what, you, what you've got there is degrees of legalism, right? So you, you've got the guy, and my testimony is like this. you got the guy in the, in the middle saying the guy on my left is horrible, right? <laughs> uh, when the guy in the middle may also be horrible. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So it, it's the guy who killed one guy saying the guy that killed 10 guys is horrible. Uh, in, in my estimation that because you still have what Paul said in, in uh, the book of Colossians, you still have man taking man's rules and emphasizing them equal to, or more than they emphasize what the scripture actually says. Uh, at least that's my take on that brand of of uh, of independent uh, Baptist 
strategy, we'll say, which I'm, I'm quite familiar with. I've, I've been in it myself. I've been guilty of it myself. I think there's a natural uh, inclination uh, towards legalism when you have a, when you add zeal um, mm. in, into a ministry. I'm zealous for God. I'm zealous for uh, the people that are either under my leadership as a pastor or under my authority in a family. Uh, so I'm zealous towards them. I, I care about them. But unfortunately, what I end up doing is I end up focusing on an application and not the doctrine and the principle that's derived from that uh, doctrine. There's, at least in my life, there was a lot of uh, application that I knew. There was, when I first became pastor and even kind of leading up to it a little bit uh, beforehand, there were some people in the church that didn't want me to become uh, their pastor some were silent about it and never showed up for the voting. Others were a little bit more vocal about it. Uh, and I got pulled into the kind of idea, well, I, I got it. Okay. Maybe I just got to get more zealous. So I started preaching specific application and without going back into the doctrine that defines that application. Uh, so that list that you read, Patrick, is, is a lot of application. Uh, you're going to the Gambia. I, I'm assuming that I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, there are things that are culturally applicable in the United States of America that do not apply in other countries. The principle, the doctrine doesn't change of the word of God. The principle that we derive from that doctrine is going to then impact our ministry. And then so how we apply that principle is going to change by culture, and that means either geographic culture or in a, a culture that is progressing. So we've got to be careful that we're not teaching people an application without the doctrine and the principle uh, that's, that informs that uh, application. Because it becomes a work that the flesh can do rather than something the spirit does. And yeah. Dr. T. Reynolds Hall used to tell me fairly often, you can't be the Holy Ghost. Right. Don't try. You can't be him. You know, right. and what you said reminds me of my older brother, Robert. He's been on uh, the podcast before. And he, he talked about when he went to be a missionary in Austria and then Germany. Mm -hmm. uh, he said almost all of his experience in church of what preaching was, was useless. He said, I got over there and almost nothing that I had heard or even done in American churches, almost none of it could be transferred over there because, because, because there was so much, as you said, application and you re, you referred to zeal. There was so much sensational, uh, sensationalization, I guess, so much sensationalism without substance. Uh, and look, God worked through, um, the men of God that I grew up under in amazing ways, and many of them were absolutely sincere and in love with the Lord and believed they were doing things right by the book and right as God was guiding them to do. And, and many of them, I don't think, knew any different. And there were some who knew the scriptures well and preached the scriptures and the doctrines of the scriptures. But yeah, a, a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of what happened, like I said, I did it too. A lot of what happened was... Uh, us trying to do God's work for him in the hearts of people 
And uh, it's interesting, the things you read there, Patrick, you know, I got opinions and, and preferences and, and even convictions and standards on some of those things, but, but I wouldn't address them from the pulpit. And I might not even address them ever in a personal conversation with another Christian. I might address them with my children, but even in that, I want my children to understand why I feel the way I feel or believe what I believe rather than just decreeing. If you do this, this, and this, you are godly. And if you don't do this, this, and this, then you are ungodly. And I'm the judge of that. You know, that's what I want to run from. Yeah. I think that's what the point should be is that by, you know, if, I can't just go out and declare, you know, apart from the Bible, a bunch of things that I, it, basically this, this person said, well, he says, right has not changed and wrong has not changed. Well, those things you listed, right or wrong, according to who? According to your interpretation. But that's not, you know, clearly stated in the Bible. You know, we're taking application, like you said, and that's that's how he's applying it in his life. And that's perfectly fine. He can apply it that way, you know, all he wants. Um, the problem comes in, I think, maybe we should have added this in the legalistic definition. The pro- I don't see it being legalistic if someone you know, chooses uh, to do those things for themselves if they're doing it for the right reason, if they're doing it because of a love for God, if they feel convicted and they say they, you know, I shouldn't watch movies, I shouldn't have a TV, I shouldn't, whatever it may be. Uh, I don't think they're legalistic until they start to tell somebody else they have to do it, right? Until they start to right. say, well, you can't be part of my group or our church or have a membership here at the church or whatever it may be. That's to me when it crosses into legalism. Um, yeah. But I don't it's think a, there's inherently anything wrong with, you know, not watching movies. Great. If you're convicted of not watch movies and by all means don't, you know, sure. Whatsoever is not a faith to sin, you know, you yeah. gotta, you gotta make your own standards. Uh, but like you said, once I, once I start uh, mandating that my view of righteousness has to be your standard of righteousness, we begin to run into the Holy spirits and God's territory. Right. Uh, I can give advice. I, I can give counsel, especially as a pastor, if someone were to ask. But we got to be careful that we're not misinforming somebody's view of Christ by 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 our standards uh, and our application of it. We live in such a DIY culture. Uh, you know, we're always uh, Home Depot, other places. But I, I guess I shouldn't have named them. I don't know if that's an endorsement or is going to have a copyright okay. infringement. We only have about 30 <laughs> listeners, so they don't, the world doesn't care what we're doing. So it's always, you know, do it yourself. And there's all these, uh, you know, places you can go to learn different things. Uh, and it's a list. It's do this, do that. Uh, people can get themselves into trouble when it comes to doing it themselves because they don't understand the, the why it needs to be done. And they just do it a certain way and it kind of works, but yet it's either unsafe or it doesn't last long because they didn't understand the why. And if I, as a Christian, am just doing the list that somebody tells me without the why, there's no depth when challenge is given because I don't have that principle. I don't have that doctrine that backs it up. All I have is the application. And when someone says why, I say, I don't know, because so-and-so said. And if my answer is because so-and-so said, instead of Jesus told me to through this verse, I've got a problem. Paul, Paul is such a good example here. And y'all know that. I mean, um, I can eat meat, doesn't matter, but I choose not to for the benefit of others. You know, such a, a deep understanding of the why 
and the how, and depending on the spirit to give him the strength and wisdom to do the right thing in the right circumstance and not thinking he was better than others because of that, but he wanted to help others to become better. Um, And, you know, with Titus and Timothy circumcising one, not circumcising the other, recognizing it's not the circumcision that matters, right? There are deeper matters here that must be focused on. Um, What is your personal journey in relation to these two ditches? Because they are just that in my estimation, these are ditches on each side of the straight and narrow path. uh, And we are equally stuck if we fall into either ditch. Uh, In my experience, I've seen legalists admired by many and hated by the rest. Um, Very young men who screamed legalistic principles so loud that they climbed the ladder fast in IFB circles. Um, Seen those given to license that have been very likely to be disdained by many in our circles, ignored by some, followed by the rest. And you, you know, you mentioned something a while ago about us being, being our own God uh, under, under license, if I remember the way you described that. And it, it doesn't, in most cases, I don't think it ends up, I can do whatever I want to, okay? We, we use these extreme mm-hmm. descriptions, and I use that myself. It's usually not a Christian saying, I just want to go do everything wrong, right? I go and do whatever I want to do. No, there's usually a few things that, that the person wants to do, right? And so mm-hmm. they tout license so they can do those few items that, that they can't seem to get victory over anyway, uh, you know, and right. get out from under the guilty conscience. Um, you know, if somebody's just gung-ho, I'm going to go live like the devil and nobody can tell me what to do. And, you know, I'm free in, free in Christ, so, you know, let's go do drugs and get drunk and kill people or whatever. I mean, to be extreme, that's not the reflection of someone who has the Holy spirit in them. So they most likely just need the gospel, you know, and I haven't ran into that kind of person. Right. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, that, that definitely is the case many times uh, where I think license becomes uh, an excuse uh, where, and then also legalism, it, it becomes, it becomes an idol that I look at and then I, I judge, I judge my righteousness based upon my adherence to that idol. Uh, my journey, you know, between these two ditches is I guess I'm still on the way out of a legalistic type of tendencies uh, and heading, you know, more towards where I would desire to be at the fulcrum uh, of Jesus Christ. Uh, and hopefully I can stay away from the ditch of, of license. Uh, but a couple of years ago, uh, I really began to realize the importance of the Holy Spirit and the, the Holy Spirit began to change my approach to life because I changed my dependency from a system, from a do this, do that, do these different things uh, to a dependency upon the Holy Spirit. Uh, if the Holy Spirit is God, then uh, I need to have a relationship with him. I need to be tender to him. I need to listen uh, to him and his guidance. Uh, how many times in the New Testament the Holy Spirit direct people to engage in something or to communicate to somebody uh, and just being being conscious of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that really began my journey out of legalism, where instead of trying to become the Holy Spirit and somebody else, I let the Holy Spirit do his role. I let God do his role. Uh, and I might have given wisdom. I might have given counsel. I might have given principles from the word of God. But the 
the adherence to that was no longer my responsibility. Uh, I can think of one time a few years ago that I, I have five kids and my kids are all out of the diaper stage. Uh, I was in a grocery store and there was this uh, young lady and her five kids, and it looked like they were all in diaper stage. And she was going through the grocery store. She had a double cart. Other kids were hanging off each side. There was one in the front. There was more kids than groceries in that cart. And the Holy Spirit said, just encourage her. So I checked out. I went back. I got a gift card. I got a rose. Uh, I got a invite to my church. I found her again in the store. I gave it to her, said, hey, I'm the pastor of Calvary Baptist. You know, the Lord wanted me to do this. Gave it to her, walked away. Uh, two years later, a little over two years later, she was at my dining table after visiting church and said, hey, you're the pastor who gave me that. And I totally forgot about that whole situation. And her and her family just joined her church last week. Uh, and that's where it's just like, you know, we got to be tender to the Holy Spirit. And that, that was really the, the catalyst that began my journey uh, away from that forced application uh, in other people's lives. So, mm. Good. Patrick, do you have any, uh, any journey into each one of these ditches or you've been a middle of, middle of the road or all the way? I don't know, you know, because I didn't really grow up in church. It's hard. It's a little harder for me, uh, at least to try to put myself in one place or the other. And that's, um, that's pretty standard. Uh, there's a lot of people who, who, if they didn't grow up in a culture that had a legalistic tendencies, it just doesn't make sense to them. And it's yeah. like, why is this an issue to you? And it's like, well, because, <laughs> because it is, you know, there's, there's this abuse, there's this fear of man, yeah. there's, there's been a turn from the fear of God and a following of him to a fear of man and a following of the man. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to interject yeah. there. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. I think what I saw, um, you know, traveling around to churches on deputation, um, I certainly, we, we visited some, what I would consider legalistic churches to varying different degrees. And, um, there were some that I would say went so far that, I mean, it made me very, very angry. You know, mm. it, it was like there was just this control that was being put on the people in the church, um, you know, down to exactly what they were supposed to wear and di different types of things. I won't go into all the details. I'm not trying to offend everybody that's listening to this podcast, <laughs> right. but, um, but I was angry, you know, and um, I, I couldn't understand where this was coming from because it just, didn't make any sense to me because it's not biblical. You know, it's not in the Bible. You can't show me where this is, where your application somehow. I mean, uh, I mean, I've heard them say it. I, I've heard where they come from, but it's just that to me, it's not a proper application at all. And then to then take, I think, your misapplied application and force it upon um, an entire congregation of people. And then, of course, it's really happened across you know, almost an entire denomination, uh, for a period of time. Um, but, but I would say that I think I have to be careful with legalism just because I think my personality tends to lead towards that a little bit. So I could easily see myself, you know, going in that direction. Um, and I know I have in the past just at times with certain things. Um, so I think that's where I have to try to push the other direction 
you know, quite a bit. And that, that's one of the things that really directed me when I started seeing that in, in some of these churches, it really made it clear to me, you know, where, what, what path that goes down. You know, it may seem like one little innocent thing here that you think you're doing. And the next thing you know, you're, you know, you have a complete dominance over an entire church, um, which is not being led by Christ anymore, but it's being led by, you know, men. So, yeah. Well, I want to simplify my story. It's my stories are always too long and I want it to be very clear. And I'm not, I'm not adding to or putting on at all with this. This is absolutely what happened. When I was ordained into ministry, I was definitely a legalist. And I was proud of how strict I was. Now, I wasn't as strict as the other guys around me, but I was strict. And uh, yeah, even got rid of the TVs in my house and all that. I actually got rid of them for a good reason. I couldn't control them. That was a legitimate move of the spirit. Mm-hmm. But the flesh grabs anything, right? And so afterwards, I was very proud that I had gotten rid of mine. You know, I didn't have them. So but I was very proud of how strict I was. And my brand of Christianity is the brand that Jesus preached. You know, that was the way I viewed it. Well, when I became a pastor and tried to shepherd the flock here in Herlock, legalism was not, it wasn't working, right? And uh, God began to show me the way out of that. But my flesh grabbed hold of that. And I did run to license. And I became very proud of my freedom. And I despised what I had been and who I had been with and considered them to be immature and foolish and myself to be enlightened. It's absolutely the truth. I was proud when I was a legalist and I was proud when I became licentious, frankly. Well, then I got smitten by the spirit in that. And I was like, oh man, that ain't no good. So I tried to find the the place in the middle, which I believe is liberty in Christ. And I said, well, man, these people, these, these legalists, they are still preaching the gospel and they're getting people saved. I got saved under these kind of preachers. So I'll maintain my friendships with them. And, and I was sincere. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to put on or anything. I was sincere. And, you know, I'm going to reach over here. So that's to my right. I'm going to reach to my right and to my left. And those who, you know, as long as you say the Bible's true and Jesus is the son of God, you know, nothing else matters, which, you know, those are great principles. I'm not saying they're not, but other than that, you do whatever you want to. And there was just, you know, no standards, no rules, no righteousness at all. So I was looking at both of these and I'm care. I'm giving a caricature, I guess, but I was looking at both of these sides, considered them to be the, the right and the left, you know, the, the conservatives and the liberals morally and theologically speaking uh, the legalists, and those who are licentious, that's an over-exaggeration maybe. But So I started looking at both of them, trying to hold hands with both of them. They both hated me. Uh, but trying to hold hands with both of them. And I became proud again. I'm the only one in the world who's figured this out, right? Mm. And I'm the only one in the world that's trying to fellowship with all these brothers. And so then God had to <laughs> strike me down again, Right. And uh, so it doesn't matter. Legalism is a danger. There's no doubt about it. And bending way into this license thing is, is a huge danger. But even trying to just yield to the spirit moment by moment, our flesh will grab hold of that too and say, yeah, yeah you're, you're the only one that's figured this out, man. 
And uh, I, I appreciate that testimony uh, and honesty because I can see, I can see where I'm at looking, looking at where I've come from, and seeing a little bit of disdain towards their approach to ministry and saying, wow, they just, they just don't got it. They, they, they don't understand like I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I can see that and, and I'm constantly dealing with that constantly saying, you know, Lord, that's, that's not the right way. If I have Liberty, they have Liberty in Christ as well. And I might not do it the same way, but I've got to give them the Liberty and the grace uh, that I demand. Uh, I also wanted to say that, uh, when I was still a uh, legalist with legalistic tendencies, I remember watching your journey to license uh, through Facebook and, uh, you know, with, through my wife's, you know, friendship with your wife and uh, as an outside observer, just watching it and, and having the, uh, wow, they, they've changed so much. I'm never going to change like that. Oh, how could they embrace that? How could, how could they go to that concert and think that that's a good thing? Uh, how could, how could your daughter sing that song in church? I mean, that's not even a sacred song, uh, you know, how are they do in this and, you know, condemning you uh, as an outside observer in my pride uh, and saying, I'm better than you. And uh, here I am, I'm just a few steps behind you. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful for, I'm thankful for the mess ups that we make in this life that keep us humble. Uh, and I look forward to the day that as Romans 14 speaks about, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And he's going to slap me on the side of the head and say, Hey, by the way, that doctrine you thought you were so right on, this is actually what I meant. Uh, and uh, your perspective there, that was, that was pretty wrong too. Uh, and just where God's going to set it right. And then, you know, that, that'll be a, uh, has to be Baptist, of course, but that'll be a Baptist fellowship that I can be a part of and be happy about, right? Say <laughs> yes, amen to that. So, well, you, and you know, then we'll all be wearing white robes and, you know, it. it'll, all that stuff will be taken care of and we can't quibble about dress and whether to wear a tie and not a tie, and whether to wear a white shirt and not a white shirt. Uh, we'll all be looking the same and we'll all be equally pathetic uh, yeah. before the holy, holy, holy yeah. one. Well, I definitely have flaunted my freedom uh, at times, um, and it wasn't helpful to anybody, to me or to anybody around me. Uh, I do think there are places, I, I, it's not, I don't think I know, there are times and places where we need to, we need to declare the law of liberty, the law of love, the law of Christ, because somebody is taking legalistic uh, tendencies and they're beating people up with it. And, and somebody needs to stand up and say, look, that's not, that's not necessary. And, And I take as my example, Christ and his open public, um, brash breaking of the Sabbath, right? He wasn't actually breaking the Sabbath, but he was he was breaking what the leaders in his day said the Sabbath was about. And he was doing it on purpose. You know, when he stood up in the synagogue and said, so it's Saturday. Should we do good or evil on the the Sabbath? I mean, he was setting himself up Mm. 
against these guys, you know. So I do believe there are times, probably in most cases, it's going to be in a local church setting where this has to be handled. I don't think in public forums and, you know, on social media, I don't think for the most part, we're probably going to not going to accomplish much. We just scream at each other and, and uh, look, look really foolish and evil to the world. Probably what happens there, but especially in a church, there are times when somebody is, is um, holding others under their own conscience and keeping people from growing in grace. And, and we need to be willing to stand up for the truth. And, and that may, and Patrick, you may remember one Sunday I, I preached with a, a baseball cap on, and that was the reason. I'm not sure I had the best attitude, but at least in principle, I did what needed to be done because some, some people were going overboard, overboard with application and forcing others into their, uh, you know, into their mold. And uh, I felt like it was time for somebody to break the Sabbath uh, over somebody's head, so to speak, in order to protect the younger believers around but you got to have the Holy spirit. You can't do it on your own. That's for sure. So true. So what about, uh, license? Um, we haven't talked about that much. What are some examples of, uh, going too far in that direction? I know that doesn't happen so much in the independent Baptist churches, but <laughs> we might I, have to I think look it's... outside of that for, for just to find that, but <laughs> right. Yeah, I know it's it's going to be hard, I think, for us that uh, have walked out or walked through uh, to, 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 to really deal with it um, in, unless we've gone and fully embraced it like Pastor Tally has. And then he can speak more on that side, uh, I think, than, than maybe I could at this point. Um, but one of the things with license that, that I would see is just a... A, a really, it seems like there's not a search uh, for the heart of God and trying to be conformed uh, to the image of Christ. There, there's just a, uh, a a more of a conformity to the world's perspective. I think license can tend towards instead of zeal, it tends towards appeasement uh, mm. of culture where I'm going to embrace this so that I can be more palatable to the people around me. Uh, and it might not be so much as far as I'm going to do this so I can be approved or pleased by God, but I'm going to do this to be more palatable uh, and deal with some contemporary issues without really pursuing and saying, no, this is the truth. This is the Bible principle. And we can sometimes in, in license, sometimes there's a, there can seem to be a resistance to drawing the line and saying, no, God clearly says this is wrong. And that's where the line needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, my perspective is legalism has been a major problem for American churches over the years, but currently the biggest problem American Christianity has and I mean, those who actually have the gospel, okay? I'm not even including under this heading, you know, mainline denominations that don't even have the gospel anymore. I'm talking about people who, if you ask them how, I want to go to heaven, could you show me how? <laughs> you know, the pastor could tell you. Um, I believe the primary problem in American churches actually is licentiousness. I don't believe 
the primary problem is legalism. I think uh, hedonism, <laughs> mm. the love of pleasure, mm. and uh, the license to do whatever I want to do is the main description of American Christianity. Uh, so I don't know if we're equipped to, uh, you know, to write the ship, but it needs to be righted. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. Legalism doesn't give us a reason to abuse others and nor does license give us a reason to abuse and license can abuse uh, just as much because then there, there is no, there is no calling to go and sin no more. You know, when Christ did not condemn the woman caught in adultery, License stops at, see, he didn't condemn. That's right. But it's like, no, there's a conjunction in there. And go and sin no more. Right. He, he called her to more than she was. Holiness. Not, yeah, not, not just who you are and now you're just a, a better you. No, he called her to more than you are through the power of Christ. Not through her own self-adherence and not through her own power but through Christ. Yeah. Well, my hands are full trying to keep me straight, but uh, hopefully some of our listeners can listen to this and evaluate, you know, look in the mirror and evaluate their own perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's actually possible to be both. I really do to have a few categories of your life where you're following these standards and you're like, I'm a great Christian because I, you know, tithe, attend church, you know, pray for missionaries, whatever, just come up with your own list. Uh, but at the same time, you know, they're doing things that are categorically condemned in scriptures, you know, uh, living with someone and not married to them, you know, those kind of things, which are just right there plain as day in, in scriptures. And yes, right. there, there are believers that I believe are doing both. Um, so, but evaluate. And I love what you have said, Tom, a couple of times, you said something about being a few steps uh, behind me in this journey or something like that is the way you worded it. That's something we've all got to realize too, that we got to give people the grace uh, to grow, right? So we can't expect everybody to know everything we know or to be exactly where we are in the journey. And we might not be as far as we think we are anyway, right? Uh, There may be areas where they're way ahead of us and we just can't see it. Um, but we got to let the spirit do his work in people's hearts and lives his way. And in his time, doesn't mean we just sit back and do nothing. We certainly should encourage one another and challenge one another and exhort one another, but with patience, the Bible says patient with all men, those to the right and those to the left, uh, knowing that we serve the Lord Christ together. Yeah. One of the verses that, I. Uh, impacts the philosophy of my ministry is second chronicles uh, 35 verse number three i believe uh where i believe it was hezekiah is rebuilding the temple and there were some priests that were unfit for the ministry Uh, and the bible says that he encouraged them uh, in the lord and that word encouragement is literally carries the idea of of grabbing them by the hand it's the same word it's the same word used that the angels encouraged lot out of sodom Uh, They grabbed him by the hand. They pulled him out. Uh, It's the same word that's used, I believe, with David encouraging himself in the Lord his God uh, when his wife and all the other wives and families were taken. Uh, It's it's the fact that, hey, I'm I'm not in the same place as you are, and I cannot immediately demand uh, that you get to my place. 
you know, we are on that, uh, we're on that spiritual journey. Uh, we are on the process of, of discovery as we're growing in Christ. And if I'm, if, if I become forceful towards others, uh, one way or the next, uh, I can mislead people as to who the image of Christ is. And I think that's one of the big dangers of license and legalism is it distorts Christ. Uh, it's, it, it takes Christ to be either this uh, party God that doesn't really care uh, about your righteousness. Uh, and then it, it can go to the other extreme where he's this, this bully God. Uh, and he's neither of those. Uh, he's God is love. Uh, and yes, there's holiness. He's holy, but he's a loving God. And clearly exemplified through Jesus Christ, whom he sent, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's what he, that was the ministry of Jesus, uh, to be a servant uh, and to serve others. And uh, really, he let people walk all over him all the time. He, he let sinners, um, he let sinners be sinners. Uh, and he resisted the hypocrisy and the the idolatry of the Pharisees because uh, they were, they were serving themselves. Uh, he resisted that, uh, but he called, he called sinners to righteousness. He called sinners to Christ. And uh, we gotta, we gotta seek to do the same. Amen. Amen. Well, I have other things that I want to say, but I don't want to uh, eclipse what you have just said. So I'm going to, I'm going to call it quits. Patrick, you got anything to add? No, I'm good. Well, thank you, Patrick and Tom, for spending time with me today. I pray for God's richest blessings on both of you, your families, your ministries. And of course, we all pray for God's blessings upon our listeners. To all of you out there listening to this podcast on whatever podcast platform uh, you happen to be uh, listening to us with or on, be sure to share this podcast and listen to other episodes, like, share, subscribe, comment, etc. Help us to expand our influence. If you believe that what we're doing is worth hearing, then share it with somebody else. Until next time, don't practice either legalism or licentiousness. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free and be not entangled in any yoke of bondage, whatever it may be. Thank you.